Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. That's right, you're listening to Binge Boys. I am the wife guy, Hal Rudnick, and sitting across from me, the lovable curmudgeon. Lon Harris. Lon! That'd be our, that's our morning zoo. Be like, wife guy in the curmudgeon on KLTZ <laughs> uh, every weekday at 7 a.m. Yep. I, I wake up and I'm like, I love my wife. And you're like, get out of here. Oh, this guy again. Here we go. <laughs> what, 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 wife guy in the curmudgeon? Bullshit. Yeah, there That's how Oh, yeah. I don't have a soundboard. I don't have a soundboard. That, 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 that was a Foley artist quality whip sound. Thank one. you. I do what I can. Yeah, yeah. Uh, anything uh, Anything uh, noteworthy in the world of beard grooming? No. All right. Uh, let me ask you, let me just pose a question to you uh, then. Do you shampoo your beard with, with head hair shampoo or do you wash it with like a soap? Or... Uh, or do you let the natural oils take no, over? No, I, I, I just I just use soap. It's not. There's real. It's really not very. Uh, I I don't do a lot of very specified beard care. All right, you're you're not a, a manscape artist. Uh, a, no. a manscaper. Do, do, is there a comic yeah. premise coming, or do you really just want to talk about? I'm just making small again? talk. No, there's no. This is devoid of a comic. Pre- you like, don't have to do small talk on a podcast. It's new rules. You could just jump into interesting things. Oh. Sure. We don't have. Okay. We don't have to. We don't have to do. We, we're not on an elevator, so we really don't need to do this. If we were at a party and I had not yeah. seen you in three years, and also we were two of the most boring people uh, who had ever met, who had ever met, uh, right? we could definitely talk about beard grooming. But otherwise, I feel like let's just jump into things that uh, we or other people care about. Okay. You know what? Let's. Unless uh... you've got. Unless you're really cute. You just. Here's the thing. You don't have a beard, so I feel like no. You're just—it it feels to me a little bit like uh, you're you're mocking me. Oh no no no! I'm I'm just uh, I, I'm just uh, grasping for the low hanging fruit, which is that beard, and uh, talking about something obvious. And you know what? Maybe it is o- on my face, but it, I would note that it has been every episode of Binge Boys we've ever recorded. I've asked you about beard stuff before, many times. Almost one might say in a repetitive way, and there's not that much to cover left. You know what? I, th- I, f- I think it's one of our most beloved bits. 
Hal asks Lon about his beard. Like, Hal once again brings up the fact that his co-host has a beard. Yeah. I mean, um, the Redditors love it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's similar to our, well, I notice you're sitting in a room today, our that classic bit that we used to do. Our old vaudeville routine. <laughs> I can't help but notice you're wearing pants again. Ah, a, a, a real pants enthusiast, this one over here. Can't <laughs> yeah. Say, Mr. Rudnick. Let's jump into the news. That's not, no, that's saying you go, yes, Mr. Harris. Oh, yes. And then I would do. Yes, Mr. Harris. No, you, no, you ruined it. You got you got no sense for vaudeville, son. You'll never make it in this business. Listen, I uh, I, I got run out at a, on a I got run out on a rail from the Catskills. <laughs> yeah, who has the where's where's the hook? Somebody you know you know the, the physical hook to reach onto the stage and pull you exactly. Off. Uh, you remember, that? folks? Let's talk about streaming news and other stuff. I thought this whole show was about beards. Uh, the news was long. Viacom CBS did its presentation for TCA, you know, the, the Television Critics Association, the TCAs. You know what I'm talking about here? Yeah, it's, it sounds like a, an upfronts kind of thing. Oh, sorry, upfronts are for advertisers. Right. This is basically the version of that, but for people who write about and cover TV. So they make a nap. It's for like TV journalists and writers. This is when they come and they have panels where it's like, here's the creator of the show and the star. And they're like giving you a bunch of quotes. It's, it's sort of like so they can go off and write articles about everything that's coming up from that network or How streamer. How come you weren't invited to this lawn? Oh, yeah. No one uh, no one respects me as a journalist. I don't have any credentials for doing this. I'm just a guy who does this. Who put this together? Who, who put what together? This podcast? Me. Yes, but who, who, put, uh, <laughs> who, who put this? The TCAs. Yeah, the TCAs together. I don't even know. I, 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 I could probably apply. I could probably get a credential and attend the TCAs. But here's the thing. I think they're doing themselves a disservice by not inviting you on. I say this and listen, if you are a critic or a writer who who listens to this show and also attends the TCAs, I don't mean this in a personal way. You do you. I'm not mm -hmm. here to judge. But to me, I don't really get why you would need to attend something like this because the whole point is they go and say, here's what we're doing. And then those people who are listening write it up and then the rest of us can just read about it in two seconds without having to attend. You know, mm -hmm. like the delay on me getting this news is like 10 minutes. If that I follow some people who do attend. So I see their tweets. It's almost instant. I'm learning the same things they know. So, you know, like I could go and there's probably a trailer, some footage or something I'd get to see that maybe the rest of the plebs don't get to see. But for the most part. It's, uh, you know, we're all getting the same information, which I have right here if you'd like to hear about. Oh, continue, please. So this is all Viacom CBS. So most of this is like Paramount Plus stuff. Uh, we learned Mayor of Kingstown got renewed for season two, the Jeremy Renner, Taylor Sheridan show. Yeah, uh, Jeremy Renner uh, running a jail. Maybe, maybe we'll get around to it. I know you want to. He does not run a jail. Oh. He is like a go-between. It's basically, uh, there are a lot of different parties of interest when, when it comes to one of these prisons. There's all the different gangs that operate within the prison. So the white supremacist gang, the the various uh, African-American gangs, the Latin gang, the, you know, and so forth. Mm. Then there are the prison guards. 
they they are sort of functioning also as a kind of gang. Mm -hmm. Then there are like the police and the city officials and the warden and all that. So the idea is that Jeremy Renner's character, Mike McCluskey, is like a go-between. Like he's an ex-con. He's also in with oh. all these gangs. He knows the, the he's got a, a brother who's a cop. He knows all the prison guards. So he's like the guy they can all go to and be like, you tell them that if they cross me again, I'm going to kill this guy. You know, like he's the negotiator. Is there a gang of, of real nerds? Like just like classic, yeah, the ner the like, like nerds the with like glasses. They should have that. Like the minimum security prison. Like why don't those guys have? They don't. Those guys aren't really part of it. And They're not. We don't really spend a lot of time. It's more like the Oz type, like the hardcore. Oh, like prison. some goths, like some real like ooh, yeah, like it's, dark it's, and brooding goth gang. It's like right. It's really it's fifty style greasers are the ones you have to look out for with their slick back hair, smoking. What about some preppy a prep some preppy socias? Is there a, a gang of preppy socias? Yeah, it's like you tell those you tell the kids from white supremacist house that they can't come to the golf trip. If they throw me in the hole, I'm not going to get paroled in time to go skiing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, you you get it. I mean that that's the tone of the show for sure. It's a lot about <laughs> saving the rec center by uh, making the best toilet wine. Uh, no, it's a it's a good show. It's very intricate, like it's very complicated, mm -hmm. uh, and I I like that. Like I liked how you have to really pay attention to by the end, like all of these weird threads kind of come together. Uh, so anyway, that gotcha. will be back. That will be back for season two. Mm -hmm. uh, they also announced they're making a series based on the 1980 John Travolta Deborah Winger film Urban Cowboy. You ever seen Urban Cowboy? Maybe bits and pieces of it. Uh, it's a, this is a fascinating project to me because I do not feel like this is a movie people remember. Like uh, maybe yeah. as a title or a poster, but even even could you get if you said Urban Cowboy, could you get somebody to get you back? John Travolta and Deborah Winger right. were in it. Mm -hmm. I, don't I don't know. know I don't know that you could. It, uh, you know. So we'll 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 see. In the world of country music, uh, uh, you know, he's a cowboy. There's a it's a love story. I I don't I don't know. We'll 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 see what happens. That's in the offing. Bob Odenkirk and David Cross are reuniting the Mister Show duo for a new comedy series, in which they will play lifelong rivals and gurus. So they're like competing. Gurus. It's called Guru Nation. That one sounds fun. Yeah, yeah. Some sort of like cult comedy thing with those guys. Sure. I wonder if they'll bring back any of the other cast members from Mr. Show. We don't have, uh, we don't know that yet, but certainly seems likely. A nice Paul F. Tompkins, a nice Paul F. Tompkins uh, cameo there. Probably not. Maybe uh, Jay Johnston. Jay Johnston. Maybe bring back no, Jay Johnston. I don't... I don't, I think he's still, I think the FBI is looking for him. Oh, yeah. Is, is he hiding out north of the border? Yeah, I don't. I think he may be in an actual cult yeah. with a real guru. For, for, the, for those who don't know, uh, this is, uh, I guess this is maybe allegedly uh, Jay Johnson. I feel like I, I. I don't know if we've had official for real. Like he hasn't been arrested or anything. Jay Johnston, aka the Herky Jerky Dancer from Mister Show. Choo choo. choo 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 the Herky Jerky Dancer. I believe at this point the fact that it has not been corrected. Right. Like, the fact that we haven't gotten confirmation that it's not him yeah. leads me to believe there's no way it's it has to be has him. has to be him. Otherwise, he would have definitely been like, that's not me! He was fired from Bob's Burgers. 
Right. Yeah. Or or he left or whatever. Yeah. Like whatever. We haven't gotten any sort of real official word, but the fact that Anyway, this guy from the the cult classic comedy show Mr. Show was uh was at the Capitol uh at the he January, was at the January 6th 6th insurrection protest. Yeah. Well, we don't know if he went into the building. There's pictures of him outside. I don't have I haven't seen an image of him inside the Capitol. He was there on the horrible day in question. He probably will not be back for the Mr. Show series with Bob and David. Which is not, it's not an official Mr. Show right, series. Right. It's just about, it's them and they're playing gurus. And then the guy who directed uh, Borat 2 is directing. Very nice, very nice. No, I'm uh, looking forward to that as well upon hearing of it. Uh, and there's also a new Star Trek spinoff in the works called Starfleet Academy. That's set at Starfleet Academy. I think we've had enough Star Trek. I think we've had enough Star Trek. Well, it, they nobody agrees with you. The Trek fans want more, so we're just constantly. This not even the, the 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 only new Trek show that isn't out yet. Strange New Worlds also coming out. Mm, we got we got more. Too much. Lots more. Too much. Oh, uh, tons more. You put put the Enterprise in dry dock. From from now basically through the summer, there will constantly be at least one new Star Trek show on the air at a time. How much blowback would I get if I came out as aggressively anti-Star Trek? Uh, I mean, are you coming out as aggressively anti-Star Trek or are you just asking me if you should come I'm out? I'm just in, uh, in exploratory. Because I don't, I don't, I don't, that's not what we do here on Binge Boys. I think you just need to speak your, speak your mind. We don't modulate our opinions based on what's popular. I don't want any more of this uh, clouding up the landscape, unless it's something like the sex lives of Klingons. What's your problem with Star Trek? Why, why, why not Star I'm Trek? I'm overwhelmed by the amount of it. So you're so it's not specific. You don't have a problem with Star Trek. You just don't like anything being popular and giving people joy. Uh, well, when you put it that way, I guess. Uh, just nothing should be too popular. If anything gets too popular, people like it too much. You you want to get rid of it? That's that's basically the principle. Uh, you know what? This is uh, this is a me problem, not a them problem. <laughs> I was just trying to get to like what is it? You don't like the uniforms, or you don't think the future is going to be nice? I was just trying to get to the I honestly, drill down. I honestly just think there's too much of it. Yeah, I re- yeah. They just reject anything that is popular because you're such a nonconformist. Because you're the goth prisoner. That's why I am. You're the one who, yeah, reject, reject, reject conformity. I All understand. right, let the people, let the people have their Star Trek. So even though Star Paget Brewster said on Twitter that the project was completely dead, we also got an indication that there may be a Criminal Minds revival still happening. Paramount Plus teased, don't count them out yet, maybe more Criminal Minds. Yeah, I, I don't think I've watched any of it. Is, is, is that the one about the... Uh... It's based off the movie with Michelle Pfeiffer. That's dangerous. Dangerous minds. minds. Dangerous. Criminal Minds was, you know, it's another one of those like uh, they're profilers. They gotta like find the killer because they're profilers. Is there a psychic in the mix? I don't think there is. They're 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 cops. It's a cop. It's a cop thing. They're 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 a FBI unit behavioral analysis psychic. And cops. they're like, no, they're not psychic cops. Okay. Uh, Sometimes cops maybe will consult a psychic in some movies, but there are no psychic cops, I don't think. Well, I wouldn't make a blanket statement like that. Where the, the cops know the future. I, w- I wouldn't make a broad sweeping statement. I like think if long. you knew the future, you would you would parlay that into some money and not have to become a cop. Oh. Like the mere fact that you're becoming a cop is like, I don't know what's going to happen. Eh, I guess I'll become a cop. You just gave us a window into uh, your psyche, Lon. 
uh, that if, if you had powers that could help humanity, you, you'd use it to feather your nest. Well, yeah, certainly not. I mean, not to become a cop. That would be the, the worst thing you could do. Why would you do that? Of all the things you could do for humanity, becoming a cop? Then you could stop shoplifters like Michael Rappaport. Oh, I, I know where the person I need to shoot who's unarmed is going to be even before I shoot them. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it sounds like you want to be one of those bad apple cops, Lon. I can shoot that unarmed man before oh. he even uh, buys a loose cigarette. Oh, Lon, you're a... Uh, man, yeah. you're you're one of those bad apple uh, psychic cops. No, I just said. I mean, I said I said cop. That it's, it's all cops. Oh, it's all, all cops are. Oh, uh, no, I don't think all cops are are bad apples. I don't know if all cops are bad apples. I think yeah. I think you got a couple who are trying to help. What out. do they say? What's the end of that uh, power? What's the end of that expression? That uh, one one bad apple spoils the bunch. I, I mean, I don't know if the bad apple uh, equ- equation is the same as the like a piece of shit inside the ice cream. You throw away the yeah. ice. Great. No, that's exactly right. It's like you, you got the bad apples. Like, well, get rid of the whole bushel. I don't want it. And that worm from inside the bad apples is just going to crawl inside all the other apples. All right. This has been Chapo's Trap House. I'm saying look out for cops because they have worms, folks. If you take one thing away from today's podcast. Oh, no. They, they all have a, wait, cops have all have a stomach virus? Worms. Cops, bu- cops all have worms. That's what you learned here today. Criminal Minds. Thank you Criminal for joining Minds us on is, Twitch. Is back. And last thing, I got one more thing from the Viacom CBS at the TCAs. Kiefer Sutherland's upcoming spy drama series gonna be titled Rabbit Hole. That's we now know. Ooh. We've been wondering. We've been waiting in anticipation. What are they gonna call Kiefer Sutherland's spy drama series? The answer: Rabbit Hole. He's showing. He's showing hole at last. <laughs> uh, it's going all the way. This goes all the way down the rabbit hole. It's like we are going yeah. to follow him. Ooh, like I, I feel like part of naming a show is just like looking at a an interminable list of idioms and picking yeah, the one that pick, hasn't been used right. yet. Yeah. Blind spot. Flashpoint. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like what two words Blow can up. I combine? Yeah. Yeah. Glow up. I'm sure they're got. There's definitely like a British. Oh, the, the Brit isn't the British makeup show. Who will give the ultimate glow up? I think that's the British makeup show. Yeah, there's definitely already a glow. Mm-hmm. All right, well that's it from Viacom CBS at the. You at know the what? TCAs. I found Let's all that on. news fairly underwhelming. Well, there you go. Sorry. No blame to you, but I'm just saying. No, it's my CBS, fault. I... CBS Viacom. Step, step your. Ga- oh no, the the Mister Show, Bob and Dave, uh, getting yeah, back together. Yeah, yeah. The mayor of Kingstown coming back. Urban Cowboy. Wasn't inter- I'm not on. interested in that Star Trek news. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, really anti. A strong anti Star Trek stance today from Hal Rudnick for no for no apparent reason. <laughs> I'd like to add. Uh, Red Notice writer-director Rawson Marshall Thurber, my favorite guy, creative powerhouse. He's going to oversee a live-action Dungeons & Dragons series from E1. That's the studio that was recently purchased by Hasbro. So no streamer or network yet for this, but because of Thurber's ongoing relationship with Netflix, it seems likely that that's maybe where this would go. He is working on two back-to-back Red Notice sequels for Netflix already. Uh, E1, they are hoping this is going to be the centerpiece of a new ongoing multimedia franchise of Dungeons & Dragons content. 
so, you know, who who knows? It, 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 wherever this ends up going is probably going to be home to multiple D&D series or maybe films or who knows. We're going to get we're going to get a bunch of Dungeons and Dragons stuff. I wonder, is it going to bring the uh, will it be uh, interactive at all? Will it uh, be a little bit of choose your own adventure aspect to it? Will it can you bring? So you are you imagining this is like a Netflix like bandersnatch like you would choose on your on your remote control what happens in the show that, that would that be what you're that thinking? would be pretty neat that would be pretty neat but uh, it's probably just going to be orcs and mages or yeah I feel like a, a fantasy adventure that would be a little pricey to record multiple versions of say battle scenes and so you're probably not going to get to vote on what the elves do next. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. It's an interesting question, though. Uh, behind your dumb question, yes, is an interesting question. Oh yeah, <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just kidding. But like, how do you how do you make it feel like Dungeons and Dragons and not just like fantasy show number twelve? Like like the Dungeons and Dragonsness of it is that there are regular people pretending to be these characters. Yeah, it seems like, uh, and I ask because Vox Machina the new show has that a little bit more baked into it. And that is set in a, they were playing Dungeons and Dragons. Mm-hmm. So that is already set in a D&D world. I don't know the answer. I mean, I, I think that uh, Ross and Marshall Thurber, the fact that he has done, he's known for comedy and he's done a lot of stuff that's both action and comedy leads me to believe there's going to be an element of that, mm-hmm. that maybe it'll be like Jumanji where we'll see the characters in their human version, and then we'll jump to them in this fantasy scenario or something like that. But I feel like you will have to acknowledge that that's part of what makes Dungeons and Dragons Dungeons and Dragons. Because a lot a lot of people know the name and the franchise, but they don't know the specifics of Dragonlance and Forgotten Realms and all these worlds and mythologies, you're going to have to introduce that to people somehow anyway. Will the, will there be an appearance by a 20-sided die? That's, yeah. I mean, I feel like there has to be. you got to have that as like a wraparound. Like, to me, that that's what it would make sense. Like a, almost like How I Met Your Mother. Like the episodes open with, mm-hmm. these are characters playing a game, and then we like zoom in, you know? So there's like, we we have a narrator or something who's in our world. That that would that's just I don't have any confirmation on this. This is just my guess. I think you should uh, I, th- I think you should uh, craft that in an email and send it to uh, the show creator. I mean, listen, this guy made red notice, so he don't need any ideas from me. He's just a a, a repository of clever inspiration. Like, oh, should this have a should this have an Ed Sheeran cameo? I could have never thought of that. True that. Should 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 we send the rock to the jungle? Has it ever been done? Enough. Enough red notice hate for one podcast. The new Masters of the Universe film that was in development at Sony has moved over to Netflix. Ooh. West Side Story actor Kyle Allen, he's going to take over the role of He-Man. Now, when this was in development at Sony as a theatrical film, we thought Noah Centineo from the the uh, To All the Boys I've Loved Before films. He was booked to play He-Man. No more. He's out. Bye-bye. Kyle Allen is in. Uh, so there are already two animated He-Man shows on Netflix. I believe we talked about one of them on this very show. Yep, the Kevin Smith produced one. Yep. Right. Uh, but this is going to be the very first live-action He-Man project since that 
classic Dolph Lundgren film. Oh, yeah. Any guesses as to when the year that Dolph Lundgren film hit theaters, Hal? When do you, what, if you had to take a stab at it. Sure. 91? Go, you're a little off. 87. Oh. Classic from wow. 1987. That's, technology was at the point where they were like, you know what, Eternia, that sounds difficult. Let's have him go to San Diego. That sounds more <laughs> realizable. Frank Langella as uh, Skeletor. I would make the argument there were certainly post-credit scenes before this. Like there were movies where you would see something on the screen after the credits had finished. Even Ferris Bueller has a famous mm-hmm. one. But I would argue Skeletor popping up. Do you remember this? After Vaguely, the credits yeah. at the end of Masters of the Universe, Skeletor pops up out of the water and he just says, I'll be back, right at the camera. Never came back, it's a blatant lie. But uh, I believe that's the first post-credit sequence that's specifically teasing the next film. Like, I think that's the first Marvel-style post-credit sequence. We, we may have found it, we may have found it. Where it's like, this is a direct, this was intended directly to be like, Skeletor's coming back in part two, folks, like to goosey at the very end like that. Mm. Uh, I don't know. Who's to say if if I'm right? But that would be my guess. Maybe Frank Langella will be back in this very... I somehow, that would be great if like 90-year-old Frank Langella comes back to do Skeletor one more time. But I sort of doubt I mean, he he donned the prosthetics for Frost Nixon. That's true. That was was already... 10 years ago plus. Jeepers creepers. He's getting getting up there. You saw him in that Chicago 7 movie. He's getting up there. Oh yeah, it's true. It's true. AMC announced the cast for the upcoming spinoff series, Tales of the Walking Dead. And it includes some famous names you may recognize. Anthony Edwards, Parker Posey, Terry Crews, Poppy Lou, and Jillian Bell. Uh, They'll all be in this. This This is an episodic anthology series. So every episode a new story from somewhere across the world of Walking Dead. It's any point in the timeline. Right. Uh, that's going to debut this summer on AMC Plus and just regular AMC if you're still watching cable like a sucker. Anthony Edwards also soon going to pop up on that Anna Delvey miniseries Inventing Anna that we've been talking about. He's in there as well. So a little bit of a, we're getting a little bit of an Edwards zance. Oh, you know what? Uh, I wonder, yeah, we're not going to be able to, He's not going to be able to appear in Maverick as Goose, so I'm glad no. we can get our. Well, maybe in a maybe in a dream sequence, or maybe, maybe he'll, like de-aged. as a Force Ghost, or maybe as a Force Ghost, like as a Force on Ghost, you know, like Mav, you gotta defeat the Migs. Believe in yourself. Shoot you know? down the Migs, Mav. I know it can't be Migs still. He's got to be. There's got to be a new threat, and it would be there's like forty year old Russian planes flying. <laughs> I, I doubt it. I doubt it's still Migs. Maverick. You gotta shoot down the Red Baron's biplane. Yeah. He's still shooting MiGs and exclusively listening to the group Berlin. It's very uh, odd. It's very, uh, they did take my breath yes, away. Yes, they will they always take, take his breath away. You know what? All, nice to see some Anthony Edwards. I, I'm, I'm, I'm almost yeah. at the point of with The Walking Dead, though, that I'm, I'm, I am with uh, Star Trek. I'm almost Wow. Oh, man. Pulling no punches today with your favorite franchises, folks. I mean... Are you sure? I feel like I'm the wife guy and you're the curmudgeon now. We've switched roles. Maybe. Maybe I'm like... Have I told you how... This is how I'm telling you that I'm in love with your wife. Oh, my God. First off, I can't blame you. I can't blame you. We need... Listen, we need to... We need to, I think, deal with this on the show. 
and in our personal lives. Oh, no, you and I kidding. need to go to couples therapy. I'm just kidding. It's just two curmudgeons. Oh, it's yeah. two curmudgeons. Is that Fear the Walking Dead still on the air? Fear, sure. Fear, there's also World... Uh, there's another one, too, that I'm blanking on the name of. Wait, there are three... Wa- there have been three Walking Deads? There are current... World Beyond. There's also the Walking Dead World Beyond. I need to get my shit one, yeah. together. I don't know. Uh, I can't be a... How can I be a binge boy if I don't know how many Walking Deads there are? It, it is a franchise. Yes, this would be the fourth show in the Walking Dead. Good no, wait, King I'm Lens wrong. World, World Beyond... World Beyond already over only ran for two episodes. So uh, Walking Dead, the original show is ending. Mm-hmm. Walking Dead World Beyond has wrapped up. Fear the Walking Dead is ongoing. Tales of the Walking Dead is about to debut. And mm-hmm. we are going to get one more spinoff. Daryl and Carol, those two characters from The Walking yes. Dead, they are going to get their own show once the main show wraps up. Oh, wow. So we are we are getting one one more spinoff uh, with Norman Reedus and Melissa McBride are going to come reprise their roles as Daryl and Carol. People love their Norman Reedus, that's for sure. Who who doesn't love Norman Reedus? Listen, J.J. Abrams and Bad Robot are working on another Stephen King adaptation. This one is based on his novel Billy Summers, which I have not read. It's about an assassin who is going to retire, but he takes one last gig. Never heard a story like this before. No, First no. time anyone's ever come up with it. One one last assignment before he retires. It requires him to move to a small town and pose as a writer, and he gets deeply immersed in the actual writing part of the job. Oh. That's what we know about the, the plot synopsis. An assassin finds a hobby. Gets it. Now, here, can I, can I tell you that there is another Stephen King project that sort of sounds a little bit like this called Secret Window, where it's about the lines between an author writing blurry and like his actual life starting to blur. That's a popular mm-hmm. trope with Stephen King, a writer who stops being able to tell the difference between the stories and reality. Yes. Uh, it leads me to believe that somewhere in here there feels like there's a twist that he's maybe not really an assassin and that is the story that he's writing and he's just getting immersed oh, in it Lon, I think you just I, I think you just spoiled the whole I feel thing. like did I maybe crack Billy Summers uh anyway I don't know maybe that has nothing to do with anything I just read that synopsis I'm like oh you know what this sounds like it opens with all the assassin stuff and then you get to like three quarters of the way in and you're like oh the assassin stuff might not be real yep. anyway. Uh, Bad Robot, they previously produced several Stephen King adaptations. Lisey's Story, you remember that one recently? Oh, yes. That was them. Oh, yes. Castle Rock on Hulu, and then 112263, that was also them. This one is going to be written by Ed Zwick and Marshall Herskovitz. Uh, they're the duo behind a lot of classic, memorable shows, including 30 something and My So Called Life. Oh, yeah. So look out for that one. Very nice, very nice. Oh, I thought you were going to say something. I'm sorry. That's why I thoughtfully paused there. I appreciate that. I give you a thoughtful pause, and then I get nothing thoughtful. But that's okay. Lon, uh, you know what? I'll, I'll, keep, I'll keep, I'll remember that for next time, and I will seize, I, I, I will seize that moment next Seize the time. pause. Seize, the, let that be a life lesson to all of you out there. Always seize the pause. Indeed. Last news story, and then I did, I sent you some trailers, uh-huh. which we've got to talk about. There's one that was very befuddling to me that I want to get to. But uh, before then, John Mulaney, he's going to host Saturday Night Live on February 28th. with Oh, musical new father, John Mulaney. New father, new dad, John Mulaney. 
Uh, is he still? Are they? They're still together, right? Him and Olivia Munn. Did they break up? I believe so. I believe he and Olivia Munn, uh, from what I know, but you know, uh, I, I I haven't I, I haven't been in their counseling sessions. You travel in fancy circles. I feel like you might you might socialize with those two. I don't know. I have not rubbed elbows with them as of yet. Anyway. Uh, he's going to host Saturday Night Live on February 28th. It will be his fifth time hosting, which means he is joining the exclusive Five Timers Club alongside Steve Martin, Tom Hanks, Tina Fey, Scarlett Johansson, Christopher Walken, Alec Baldwin, and most recent inductee Paul Rudd. We were talking before the show. Yeah. For a long, long time, almost no one had hosted Saturday Night Live that often. It was a very elite group. The original Five Timers Club was like Buck Henry, Steve Martin, Elliot Gould, Sting, Chevy Chase, Candace Bergen, and then I even remember in the nineties. Yeah. This wasn't. This was twenty years in the nineties. Tom Hanks got inducted. Right, and it was kind of a big deal then. Right, they had a whole sketch where they brought all these people back to welcome Tom Hanks in. You know, they pretended that there was like this private club. Yes. If you go back and watch that sketch, actually from the nineties, Conan O'Brien is the waiter in the Five Timers Club because that was back when he was just a writer on Saturday Night oh. Live and he would play background roles. Cool. So uh, that's how long ago this was. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, but in recent years, I mean, listen to this list of just who's joined in the last, you know, like ten years. We got Drew Barrymore, Justin Timberlake, Ben Affleck, Tina Fey, Scarlett Johansson, Melissa McCarthy, Dwayne Johnson, Jonah Hill, Will Ferrell, Paul Rudd, now John Mulaney jumping in there. So it's become a lot more frequent. I don't have a I don't know why. My my guess would be they used to it used to be a much broader net for who would host SNL. You know, you'd get they are letting everybody and anybody in that five timers club. Anybody, yeah, really. It's a lot less selective now than it once was. But I think it be, you know, there a lot of SNL episodes during a season would be like Derek Jeter's going to come host, or Britney Spears is going to host, sure. or like anybody from around the world of entertainment. And I feel like recently, because of the pressure to, well, we need to have stuff pop on social media. We need to have stuff that's going to go viral on YouTube and Twitter. Mm -hmm. I think that there's more. Like, we got to go with safe, reliable people that we know. Someone who can deliver the goods. Either that we know is going to get, like, crazy clicks or that is going to actually be funny and give us something we can package and put online. So I feel like, yeah, we don't have, there's not as many, like, random one-off experiments in terms of who's going to host it. I mean, there, there have been a few recently, though. Uh, well, right, they still do it sometimes. Like, Willem Dafoe recently. You're Elon Musk, you're Kim Kardashian. Well, but Elon Musk is an example of uh, clicks, you know, like they're- Yeah, they're, and Kim he Kardashian got, he was hosting well, both clicks. Right, click they're worthy. hosting specifically because they know they're going to be able to tweet it and people will watch it on Twitter, even if they don't care about it. Yeah, even if it's not funny, it's going to be a massive curiosity. Exactly. So anyway, I, I just thought that was interesting how, how it's changed so much, but look out for that. Uh, an LCD sound system, that's a good, that's a good show. Oh, yeah. uh, and then I sent you some trailers. You did. Uh, the- the first one, uh, The Offer. This is Paramount Plus's show about the making of, it's a scripted show, not a docuseries, about the making of The Godfather as specifically viewed from the perspective of producer Albert Ruddy, who's played by Miles Teller. This was gonna be Army Hammer mm. when this show was first being made. And then they were like, oh no, wait, he's uh, disgusting and everybody hates him now and he's a cannibal. Not him. Let's have Miles Teller do it. Universally beloved Miles Teller. Uh, let's have him do it instead. 
good, good choice to good recast. Good call. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, a, a really interesting cast. Matthew Good as uh, iconic producer Robert Evans. Robert Evans, the kid stays in the picture. Yeah, that's it with the glasses in the trailer. Uh, oh, boy. Was that him? Let me tell you. It was better than him. It was him. Juno Temple as agent manager Betty McCart. Giovanni Ribisi as crime boss Joe Colombo. Huh. Justin Chambers as Marlon Brando, and of course Dan Fogler as Francis Ford Coppola, as you saw. Yes. Uh, that's coming at the end of April. Look out for that. I one. thought this looked great, and uh, it, it really piqued my interest, uh, the, all of uh, the trials and tribulations around the making of the film. So the, uh, absolutely, that was, that was a good trailer, and yeah, I'm th- th- this trailer, it uh, understood the assignment, it did the job. I'm in. There you go. And yeah, I think it's a, it's interesting because it, it, there's there's so many there's so many levels on which you could approach this story. I mean, obviously, getting Marlon Brando in the movie and working with him that was a very specific challenge mm-hmm. they had to face. Just convincing a studio to spend this kind of money on a a gangster movie, a crime movie, sort of an unconventional version of the story. Francis Ford Coppola at this time still kind of an untested commodity. So like, there's a lot of different, you know, so many famous personalities, so many different angles on it. Obviously, the you know, the crime element of, like, the mob doesn't want to have its story told in this way. Uh, so, yeah, I think there's a lot that they can do with this. It looks it looks interesting. I agree. Uh, next up, I sent you Halo. Uh, this is Showtime's adaptation of the video game series. Pablo Schreiber starring as Master Chief. Yeah. You're not a Halo I'm, player, I'm, I'm not a Halo player, but I also like this trailer in as much as I thought it did a, a nice job of initiating the uninitiated and t- laying out the core components of the story to make it accessible to people who weren't Halo players and to give you like some terra firma just as far as like, oh, this is I, I see the bullet points of the story. It's a, just kind of a classic sci fi and uh yeah, so I, I found it an entry point into potentially watching the series. Thought it was a decent yeah, they're trailer. you know uh, space marines. Yes, you know I, I love space marines. I'm aliens. Who doesn't my, love a good aliens space might marine? Might be my uh, it's it's one of my favorites. It's interesting to get the the sort of you know from your untrained yes. guy. I as well don't know. I I didn't really know Halo had this kind of like story like i always know like you join in and then you drive around the little jeep and you shoot like the pink things at people and you fall off the the you know the structure i really didn't even know it had this kind of lore but apparently this trailer is wildly diverging from the lore the established storyline of the games even though it's it's got a lot of the characters like master chief and cortana the ai right uh, those are from the games but they're they're taking a lot of liberties, and some fans are upset that they don't feel like this is the true. We're not following the true Halo storyline. Yeah, here. some some sometimes you gotta uh, sometimes you gotta tweak it. Sometimes you gotta juice it a little bit to make the narrative more compelling. So I don't mind that at all. They're wearing goose suits. It's an old circus term. They're <laughs> goosing. Uh, no, and it's uh, they've even said, look, this is its own timeline like this is divert like the it's officially this is diverging from canon there's going to be the video game timeline and then the showtime tv show timeline and never the twain you know it's the it's a multiverse yeah it's about a soldier who goes out and kills angels and he collects their it's halos a, yeah and he wears a, them in a necklace so. well but that is like this shows him finding the halo and apparently that's not how the, the halo was found 
And they're taking, you know, they're they're taking stuff from all the different games because there's like five or six Halo games at this point. Mm-hmm. So the the people making the show just cherry picked elements of all the games in the timeline that they liked. And they put it together into one story. And that's not what the fans want. They want a very specific, like an exact, like make it just like the game, no tricks. And of course, they're never going to see eye to eye. It's just one of those things. So that's coming out March 24th on Showtime, folks. Take a look for that. I thought it looked very much like Halo to me. As somebody who's only a casual, have played Halo before, it looked very much like Halo to me. I thought people were going to like it. What do I know? Nothing. Yeah, I mean, listen, it, uh, it worked for me, but yeah, I am not a Halo purist. To all the Halo purists out there, sorry. <laughs> That's sorry from Hal, who had nothing to do with yep. it. Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Let's talk about this one. Now, this is this was a legendary. Originally made this movie for theaters, mm-hmm. but then they got cold feet and they sent it to Netflix instead. Uh, comes from Fede Alvarez. He uh, directed Don't Breathe that new Evil Dead movie. He produced this one. It basically feels like they're trying to Halloween the Texas Chainsaw Massacre franchise. Like, they're dropping all the other sequels and and spinoffs. So this is a direct sequel to the 74 original movie. Uh, Olwen Fior, or Fiori, Takes, is she's taking over the role of Sally Hardesty. The late Marilyn Burns played Sally in the original film. She's the girl that gets away at the end of the first movie. Uh-huh. So in this one, she's back. She's there to kill Leatherface once and for all. Uh, and there's a bunch of other kids who've been captured by the family that she's going to have to sort of help save, I guess. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Jamie Lee Curtis kind of. Uh... Yeah, they're trying to write. They're trying to Halloween this one. Mm-hmm. And then uh, also of note, John LaRoquette, his very first film role ever, he did the opening voiceover in the 70s Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Uh-huh. He will be reprising his role for this new one. He recorded a new voiceover. Oh, wow. Just for the Netflix movie, John Larroquette. Look at that. Night Night Court veteran, John Yeah, Larroquette. I'm glad they're loyal to, uh, you know, I'm glad they're being uh, Larroquette loyalists. That's nice of them. Uh, th- this didn't strike me as uh, that compelling. There were a couple of jokes that were like, oh, is it too, uh, is it, you know, is it, are we uh, modernizing it too much? Do we want to see influencer culture? Uh, infused yeah. with Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Uh, like, I wonder, is is it just trying to wring more blood out of this IP stone? Uh, yeah, uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm not over the moon about this thing. Texas Chainsaw is honestly one of those things that I wonder, is the movie actually well-known or is the title of the movie well-known? Like, there are sometimes I feel like we bring things back and they're actually pretty niche things that most people don't like. They're just named after something famous. Uh-huh. That, like most people are familiar with the concept. Like, I don't know. I know horror fans love the original Texas Chainsaw. Right. I don't know if it's that widely seen of a movie in the modern. It, it's hard for me to imagine that Texas Chainsaw Massacre is like, a very popular movie among anyone under certainly 30, but I think maybe even 35 or 40 at this point. Like, it's more important in terms of horror history than it is, like, a thing people are watching all the time, I think. And then especially if you start adding in the sequels and the spinoffs and, like, the Leatherface franchise more widely, I think this is kind of a niche horror thing. And I also don't think it's really easy to recapture because part of... 
the appeal or, or maybe the bulk of the appeal of the 74 one is that it feels like real. Like it feels like you're seeing this creepy home movie that you sort of shouldn't be seeing. It's like gross and weird and it feels almost dangerous and icky. And I think the, the moment you make like it slick in Hollywood yeah. and you make it feel like a horror movie, you kind of lose the thing that makes it stand out as Texas Chainsaw in the first place. Yeah, no, that that's a great point. And it, it birthed so many of, uh, so many tropes, just it's like cliche at this point to like hear a chainsaw in a movie like that. But, you know. Yeah, I mean, the way to do it today would be like with, you know, found footage like that. It would feel like somebody filming something with their phone. Absolutely. We've just, it, it's been ripped off endlessly. Like we've done that before. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, but every other Texas Chainsaw, whenever they try to do a modern Texas Chainsaw movie, I always end up feeling like it just looks too slick. It looks too professional. It doesn't feel like Texas Chainsaw. It just feels like another horror movie that happens to have a chainsaw. They're also doing that stuff. Like it's like every every movie now but like it's also we're just we're so caught up with references everything is like the reference and it's like i don't think i think that with horror the reference obsession like making everything i about the iconography like robs it of its power like this is definitely a problem with with halloween kills where it's like i get that you want to like show Michael Myers and he picks up the mask and he puts on the mask and he grabs the knife and like with the lights behind him and like that's what makes it feel like Halloween you know you gotta you gotta hit those beats to make it feel like Halloween for people sure but at the same time when you just show Michael Myers and you make it like there he is it he's not scary now now he's just a guy like it, the the fact that you never get a good look at him and he's kind of almost this specter, well, that's what makes him scary in the first movie. So there's kind of no way to do both. You kind of can't do the Star Wars Easter egg version of it, but also still keep it like mythic and 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 scary. Yeah, no, that absolutely m- makes sense. I mean, you're not going to recapture, and you're 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 not going to please the purists and your are you going to create something unique and cool enough to stand kind of on its own is it going to even feel connected yeah. to the original that yeah it it just seems it just seems like again wringing money from an like just just squeezing whatever they can out of this somewhat familiar ip but yeah, yeah you make a really cogent point in the fact that Oh, yeah. do the do the millennials and Gen Zers they're trying to appeal to with this like OMG you're going to get canceled joke in the trailer? Uh, do they have any connection whatsoever to the source material? So uh, it definitely appeals to Gen. Z. I don't know about Gen Z. I like that. But, I like that. But yeah, thanks, folks. Lastly, I sent you, and here's the one I previewed that there was a trailer that I found troubling. And we've, we've finally arrived at it. It's for an animated series called Fairview that's coming on Comedy Central. It debuts from the wild mind of Stephen Colbert. Right. This is what executive producer Stephen Colbert, he does a bunch of those like weird political animated shows like tuning into the news or, you know, like our cartoon president. Oh, yeah. Like he's done a few of these. Uh, so this is from that same group. Mm-hmm. Uh and it is about it's like a satire, but it's it's about local politics. So it's in this small town and they've got the mayor used to be a party girl, Kelly Sampson. And we're going to view her administration. But, you know, it's parodying and satirizing 
American politics. But here's what's weird. It's because February 9th on Comedy Central, it'll be on Paramount Plus at some point after mm-hmm. that. What troubles me about it is that all the characters look like weebles. Yeah. Where they're humans from the waist up, but then they don't have uh, legs or feet. Yeah, they're egg-shaped on the bottom. Right, they, and they just like bounce around, and, like. But they don't. The show doesn't call attention to it. It's not like it's about a town where nobody has legs or feet. Mm-hmm. It's just about this town. It looks very much like it's trying to do like a South Park thing, and they just happen to be animated without legs and feet. And I, I really didn't like it for some reason. It looks really weird and off. It, it did. Uh, strike me, yeah, as a very arbitrary choice without an explanation of like what these creatures are. Because, as Lon said, they're one hundred. They're completely human. Besides that one, yeah, detail. from the waist up, they're designed as humans, and they're like wobbling around these streets. And, but they're also in a world designed for them. Like they'll slide into a car, and it's like it doesn't have room for it doesn't have leg room. Because nobody has legs. Like, so there obviously was thought put into like, oh, we'll animate them this way and then we'll put them in this special world for everybody like them. But but then did not make a joke out of it or anything. It's just like, how how dare you? Like, I what? Like, wait, it's like a it's it just it looks so wrong to me. It looks like the art was unfinished or something. Yeah, like I agree. Like, let's un I didn't like let's it unpack. At all. Let's unpack what what's happening well, with these characters. Like, yeah, it felt like the show was going to be not a political satire, but like one of them's going to have a baby with legs and feet, and they're all going to freak out, and it'll be like a parody of ableism or something. Like I thought that's what it was going to be, and then it's just like, oh no, they're just making jokes about QAnon. Like, oh okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I. This is weird that they don't have feet. No, I, I was equally as uh, nonplussed. I don't like this. it, folks. I don't like it. That's it. So that's it. I'm, I wanted to end on a really down negative note. So that's it. Avoid that <laughs> trailer that. and uh, fuck that show. On. Yep. Bye bye. Yeah. Very. Like, I wish they uh, got uh, like some sort of licensing agreement from the Weebles, uh, the uh, the egg like toys. Maybe they did. I don't want to say for sure they did not, because they might have had to. They look just like Weebles. Yeah, I don't know if the kids today know the Weebles, but uh, yeah, look look them up. The uh, the egg like toy, the Weebles. They wobble, but they don't fall down. There you go. Coming up, uh, we watch programs and we'll talk about them. Lon, you and I watched After Party, the After Party. Yeah, just not just After Party. It's the After Party uh, on Apple TV Plus, and uh, it is a, a whodunit murder mystery that takes place in a, an opulent beachfront mansion after a high school reunion. What is it? A 15, 20 year high school reunion. I believe they graduated in 2006, so it would be a 15-year yeah, high school reunion. After a 15-year high school reunion, they all, uh, everyone uh, or much of the uh, school goes back to uh, the mansion owned by someone who has blown up and become a, a music superstar. Oh, it's not most of the class. Oh, it's like, what, 20 people, 25 people. Yeah, come on, let's, let's, yeah. And then, yeah. I'm not spoiling anything, uh... The, uh, the the said music superstar is found dead. He has fallen to his death, and the who done it is afoot 
Tiffany Haddish plays the detective. Dave Franco is Xander, the music superstar. And it's got a cast of uh, well-known, very funny people in it. Uh, Sam Richardson, Ben Schwartz, among others. Juan? Yeah. Oh, you want me to start? Oh, sure. <laughs> I'm just kind of breaking it down if you want to jump oh, in. Oh, I thought you were about to, I didn't think again, I thought you were about to make a, a cogent point. I was like, all, I was all ready for it. And it comes from one half of uh, the Lord and Miller duo, Chris, right. Christopher it's, Miller. It, Christopher Miller, although Phil Lord is on board as an executive producer, so it's technically a Lord Miller joint, but Christopher Miller did most of the heavy lifting. You know, I thought this was, I thought this was okay. I gotta say, I feel like it's a little bit hat on a hat on a hat. Mm-hmm. This is a thing, Lord and Miller have had this concept laying around for a while. This was a film that they'd pitched a while ago that's just kept like mutating, and eventually it became this uh, this this eight episode Apple TV series. It's funny. There are some big laughs. There are some moments I really like. The cast obviously is fantastic, but it feels it feels very busy conceptually. We've got. We're doing this. We're going to see this party and then after party from multiple perspectives. And each perspective is related from one character's point of view in a genre or style like a movie. So you've got a rom-com episode, a musical episode, an action movie episode and so forth. Then you've also got this whodunit, Agatha Christie inspired murder mystery. But then you've also got all of these like wacky, like it's in this cartoon reality where all these characters are kind of larger than life and wacky and they all have their own agenda, including, and here's my, here's my number one issue, yeah. including Tiffany Haddish. And I think this is what really undermined, like I feel like the Tiffany Haddish character, not that Tiffany Haddish herself isn't doing a good job and isn't funny, mm-hmm. but I feel like making her just as wacky as the rest of these characters puts us in a world like I don't understand the reality of this world. Like, I don't, it it feels like, it feels like everyone is on their own plane of existence and not all of these characters are in the same story. And Tiffany Haddish was your chance to like pull it all together. Like if she feels real and grounded, that can make the rest of it feel real and grounded, but she doesn't. She's just as goofy, if not more so than the rest of them. And so I feel like it's untethered. Like Right, she could have been that much more of a foil or a grounding presence. Uh, right, and without that, I feel like there is no grounding presence, and so I can't take any of this seriously. And it's very hard to even know, like, I understand that it's that Rashomon style, like, you're always seeing things in the way that plays to one character's mindset. You know, you're seeing things from their perspective. But it's hard to follow a mystery where you don't have any of the baseline information that you need. We're exclusively from all these very heightened, eccentric, like we're only seeing these scenes played out like it's a rom-com or an action film or a musical in the first three episodes. Mm -hmm. And so you really don't have any idea for what happened. So as a mystery, it's not good. Like, I don't care about what happened or who did what. I'm just kind of waiting around for jokes. And I felt like there were only touches of each of the genres that they were coming to, uh, that they were telling each uh, person's perspective with. Like, it didn't fully feel immersed in each of those genres. I felt like there were touches. Oh, and then it went back to normal storytelling, and then there was another touch. It didn't go all the way. I... For me, I was more excited to see, oh, each episode is going to be that much more stylized, but 
it's not, it seems like it didn't want to go fully there. I think it's just trying to do too much. Like, yeah. I feel like you could almost have made this whole show without the murder. Mm-hmm. And it's just like this reunion from all these different perspectives. Or you could have done the murder, but without the the movie genre thing and just had it be this like comic Agatha Christie thing. Yes. And I feel like, like, there's all sorts of stuff here that's fun that you could have done, but doing it all together at the same time, it's just like, it's hard to know what's coming at you. Yeah, but- I think the show works as being entertaining and funny, but it's it's because they're I mean they're funny scripts and it's a who's who of uh, just it's like a murderer's row of awesomely it funny is people with and they funny. drive it. It is it's funny throughout. It's super enjoyable, but I primed myself for like okay these different perspectives and these stylized episodes, but. It, like even the Ben Schwartz uh, episode with uh, that feels like a musical or that is a musical and has all these musical moments. It's just oh, it's like a normal episode, and then a song breaks out. It's it's not stylized like say uh, Schmigadoon for an episode or something, and then it becomes right. like a uh, super dark and gritty. I don't know. I felt like it was only it was half in and half out on its own premise. But that being said. Yeah, again, like, oh, Ilana Glazer and uh, Ike Barinholtz. It's just every role is inhabited. And not just that, they find these little high school tropes that are done well. I feel like just, I, I, yeah, I think it really would have worked better with, just as Lon was saying, less going on because there is so much good stuff at play there. So, um, but yeah, overall, I think it's absolutely worth watching and very funny. It's filled with laughs, but it does get a little bit like, okay, all right, you're spinning a lot of plates here, you know? So uh, worth it. Check it out. The After Party, Apple TV Plus. It's there for you if you're interested. Only if you're interested. Yeah, don't watch it. If Why would you watch it if don't you're not interested? Don't let us bully you. Yeah, yeah, please. Like, honestly, no reason to, like, put something on that you're not interested in watching unless, yeah, that would be weird. That just No, that no unless. Just don't. Just don't do it. Don't feel pressured. Don't do it. Why are you adding an unless? Unless, you know, you really I mean, unless, like, you're, show. like, have to write a book report on it for your yeah. class. But it's not even a book. So that'd yeah. be weird. Probably don't need to. The next program we watched is a series on Netflix, The Woman in the House Across the Street from the Girl in the Window. Kristen Bell stars in this comedy thriller that is a takeoff on various Lifetime movies and the genre of uh, I, you know, I think you got to go back to Alfred Hitchcock and Rear Window that gave birth to the bastardizations uh, that came down the road. And but it's less Rear Window and yeah, more th this genre and turning the genre on its head. Uh, Kristen Bell, as we said, stars as this woman who is watching her new neighbors and thinks there's foul play afoot, and uh, the uh, the the they're off to the races from there. Uh, and I, I thought there were a lot of funny moments in the first episode, uh, especially there was the, this one gag that they, that happened, uh, several times. I wanted to see more of that, but overall, I wonder if, it, because it definitely has the feel of the, the, in the muted colors, in sort of the, 
the and maybe this is by design the limited production value it felt a little claustrophobic like a lifetime movie it's like oh they only paid for a couple of locations so we're going to be mostly in this one location i felt like it was doing a lot of things right but then it was doing so much right that it started to almost feel more like the thing it was parodying than a parody and i found myself watching for the thriller element rather than the laughs, as opposed to something like MacGruber, where it's like, oh, this is an action comedy parody, but it doesn't feel like an action movie. It feels like a balls-to-the-wall comedy. This, it's like, oh, wait, am I just in it for the thriller and not for the comedy aspects? Because it was too true to what it was parodying. Uh, I think that's a whole long a lot of words to say it's just not fucking funny. Like it's, yeah. it's, it's a parody that has like a few jokes per episode. And then the rest of the time, it's just, it's just like a not very good version of, of the genre. And like the excuse seems to be, well, but it's not, it's a parody. It's like when somebody writes just something offensive and then you're like, Hey, that's offensive. And they're like, no, I'm just joking. And you're like, okay, but you see how I couldn't tell you were joking. Mm-hmm. This, is, this is a shitty joke. And that's like, that's how I felt about this. Like you get to episode three and you're like, are you expecting me to give a shit about whether this person died? Because this is stupid. Like it's stupid by design. It's a parody. It's just not very funny. And then, yeah, you think of like Airplane or you think of when David Wayne does a thing like this or honestly, even like the scary movie movies, like those aren't very good either. But like at least they know what they are and there's attempts to be funny in every scene, even if it's just a dumb reference or something like this is whole scenes go by and there's not, not even an intentional joke. It's just, it's just a bad version of this genre to the point that it's like, what, what, why would you bother me with this? And there are funny jokes. Like the, the joke with the handyman that I, like I, that amuses me. But again, it's like, it's a, it's a, it's conceptually like, I'll, I'll just give it away. Yeah. The bit is there's a guy who's always working on installing her mailbox. Like that's a job that would take, you know, like in these, in these kinds of films, there would be a guy working on something at her apartment yeah. just to give her somebody to talk to. And so in this, they fill that by, it's a guy and he's just always very slowly screwing a mailbox on and and conceptually, you're like, oh, okay, that's clever. But by the fourth time you pass that guy, it's not funny anymore. It's just like, mailbox, get right. Remember how we did that thing with the mailbox? And it's just like, and every joke is like that, where it's like, it just feels, I, I, I hate to, I'm not saying this is true about the writers because I hate to make, I, I'm not trying to make a personal slight. But the writing on this feels kind of lazy. Like, at some point it was just like, well, they'll get it that it's a joke. And so we don't need to put a joke, actual jokes into this scene. And it's like, no, if this is supposed to be a comedy, every scene should have jokes. I don't know where this idea came from that you can not write jokes for a scene. I'm thinking back to when you and I talked about the trailer on this show. And I don't know if you remember, but I was like, huh, it seemed truthful rather than it seemed earnest rather than a parody aside from the name. And I guess that, you know, maybe the observation is, well, the real genre is already very silly. And it's like, well, yeah, but then you have to go even further over the top to parody it, not more subtle like that. 
you can't parody something that's already silly by just making it and then being like kind of silly, right? You have to actually like write something funny. Like I don't, I, I feel crazy. Like how do I have to be here being like, no, you have to, you get just having her fill her wine glass up all the way to the very top. That's one, that's one joke. Mm-hmm. Doing it over and over and over again doesn't make it more funny. That's you just telling us the one joke again. Yeah. And it felt like a lot of that. And I saw that the three people who wrote this, they also wrote uh, the Adult Swim show Mike Tyson Mysteries. Right. And that that is kind of also like Mike Tyson solving mysteries. It's kind of funny, right? Yeah. And then the next episode is like, look who's solving this mystery. It's, it's Mike Tyson. And it's just like, you. it feels like you, you, we can't stop at the concept. You got to keep going. You got to push through that. And come up with new ways to make it funny. Yeah, uh, there are three very funny people from the Groundlings who wrote it. and Like I said, it's not personal. I don't know any of them. I'm not trying to say that they are bad or no, did a bad job. I'm just like, it, it does strike me as like, they're both like, the, these projects are kind of resting on the concept being funny. And that only ever is going to get you so far. Yeah, I think if you're a huge fan of this genre, like if you are like, oh, uh, mama needs her lifetime. Give me, give me those, give me those throwaway mystery thrillers that uh, that are formulaic. There, this has some fun riffs on. But that. would you rather watch a real one? I feel like on that level, you'd rather just watch a good example. Of maybe, one. but maybe you'd want to see. Like, if you're if you're a super duper enthusiast, I think you uh, uh. might want to uh, check it out. But yeah, I see. It. As far as the mystery goes, there is not enough urgency there. As far as the comedy goes, because it's too stupid. Like it's yeah. too stupid to be a real mystery. Mm-hmm. But it's not funny consistently enough to work as a comedy. Yeah. So uh, it's close. I, I wanted to. I really wanted to like it more. I don't think it was close. For the record, I do not believe this was close. I think Kristen Bell is the right person to have pulled this off. There were some good jokes, but yeah, not enough of them, and the mystery is not quite compelling enough. So I'm for the life of me, I'm going to try to Lon. I'm going to try to get the title right. Please tell me All if right. I do. The woman in the house across the street from the girl in the window. You, you got it. You nailed okay, it. Perfect. Hundred percent. It's there on Netflix. If you are so, if you want it, if you want to watch it, but if you don't want to watch it, don't watch it. I think we established that you do you, listener. Thank you very much. We also watched a comedy special uh, from HBO Max, Moses Storms Trash White. We did. It's an autobiographical comedy special that I, I felt like it lays out some premises, it, it ties them up at the end, and it has some laughs throughout. I really enjoyed this personal telling. I think it was uh, stylized, self-deprecating, and uh, funny and well-told on the part of comedian Moses Storm. Yeah, I, I really like this. Uh, I, I specifically wanted to talk about it on the show just because I thought it was worth highlighting. Uh, I think there's been a lot of talk, uh, and I did you know... Uh, bunch of different people. We don't have to talk about anyone, but like Hannah Gadsby, Dave Chappelle. I feel like a lot of people have done these kinds of comedy specials where there's there's they're talking about something beyond just jokes. It's like there's 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 a message, there's a theme, there's an idea running through it, whether you agree or disagree with what those ideas are. And I think that I really like how 
uh, Moses Storm has found a way to thematically link everything. Like the whole special is about growing up poor and his ideas about what poverty means and what it means that we as a nation don't do more about it to combat it or engage with it. And But he does it in a way that it never feels like a TED Talk or a speech. It always feels like jokes. Like he's always moving from one comedy bit to the next comedy bit. It just, they're thematically linked and he's kind of telling you a story. Paul F. Tompkins did one, it is not political, but he did one called Laboring Under Delusions a few years ago. Did you ever see this? I didn't see Where that. it was, it, it's a whole special and it's just about all the jobs he had before he was a stand-up comedian. So again, like not political like this one is, like not engaging in any way with like a real social issue, but it's still like, it's a, it feels like you're hearing one story, even though it's really just a comedy special. Mm -hmm. It's a bunch of different jokes about different jobs, but it's, it's a narrative. And I feel like Moses Storm did a really good job of turning this into that as well, where it almost, it does feel like a one man show, even though it is consistently stand up and it's just jokes the whole way through. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and the through line totally works of you're, you're hearing these stories, these vignettes from a period in his life. And he explores poverty, uh, uh, being unhoused, homeless with his parents, living uh, in a bus. And there are several tentpole bits that are really, again, funny, revealing, self-deprecating. Uh, and and just the key word is it, they're funny. And he does address head on that like, okay, I'm not trying to solve a problem or make this like a super issue forward special, but it does have a poignancy and there is a real thoughtfulness uh, beyond just the laughs and the gags and these, what may have been uh, uh, separate bits that he then took uh, from his stand-up and formed this overall message. And there does end up being um, some thoughtful messages about, you know, uh, poverty and uh, family and uh, even gender, like, without being heavy-handed. So uh, he does a really nice job, but it is genuinely funny. And Moses Storm, he's, he's able to just look at himself in an introspective way and make fun of himself uh, throughout. And it lets you in. And uh, yeah, it's really well told. So this is available on HBO Max, uh, Trash White. And uh, do you think we're going to get, I'm not going to spoil anything, but do you think we're going to get a second uh, special? Uh, the ending was an interesting, uh, do you think, was that an actual cliffhanger at the end, Lon? Oh, <laughs> No, I don't think so. I think it's just a bit. Okay. Um, I, I, I wonder. I'm, I'm not sure. Maybe maybe I'm just gullible uh, uh, as to the last, uh, what he ended on. I'm not sure. Say, say I, don't, I don't know if I remember exactly what you're talking about. It's been a while. Oh, um, yeah, I don't, I don't want to spoil it, but he, he just gave oh. a reason why they were uh, uh, homeless and why they were on the road uh, together. And it was like, oh, that's intriguing. Or was that just uh, a, a a bit? Yeah, I I felt I felt like it was just a bit, but we'll we'll see. Uh, but yeah, absolutely uh, worth checking out. And I also wanted to say it reminded me of one other comedy special recently. There, there's an HBO special from Whitmer Thomas. He's a comedian who uh, turned the stories of his life into into sort of like a punk rock sort of emo musical. 
and uh, I, th I thought there were uh, similar elements. You know what, maybe we'll just cut this whole part out, but uh, maybe a worthy companion piece <laughs> to check out uh, on, on HBO Max. Uh, but there you go, Moses Storm, Trash White. Those are all the programs that we've watched for this week. Hoot hoot, Owl Nation. Uh, thank you to Starburns Audio. Thank you, producer Travis, Travis Reeves. And thank you, Jason K., for giving us music to get us into this podcast. Lon Harris, uh, tell them where they can find you. Uh, find me on Twitter at L-O-N-S. That's the best place to do it. You can also listen to my other podcast, Garmin Shosia, uh, that I host with Drew Grant. That's on the Content Candy Network. Just look for Content Candy wherever you find your podcast. And you can uh, subscribe to the Inside Streaming Newsletter. It's free. It's five days a week. It has all the streaming news that we talk about here on the program as well. Inside.com slash streaming. That's where you can go for that. There you go. How much does that newsletter cost? Free. Absolutely free. Oh my Zero goodness. cost to you, the subscriber. There you go. And uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Hal Rutnick. Come by and say hi. Thanks for listening, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Bitch boys, bitch boys. Bitch boys, bitch boys. Bitch boys, bitch boys.